Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, I am so excited to be interviewing Laura Gerard, my internet friend and colleague who I met through Instagram. She is based in New York City and is an online fitness instructor, group fitness coach, and personal trainer who focuses on um, kind of like me, taking a weight neutral, joyous, anti-diet approach to fitness. So welcome, Laura. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Yay. So I am just so excited to be talking to you today because I am like obsessed with you and everything that you do in the fitness space. Um, for anyone who doesn't follow Laura on social media yet, you absolutely should. Instagram and TikTok, you put so much effort into your content and it is very entertaining. And I know I always appreciate it. Um, but so I would love for you to kind of introduce yourself and talk a little bit about what you do in the fitness industry. Yeah, totally. Well, first of all, all those feelings are mutual. So thank you for that glowing recommendation. I honestly, you've been in this space longer than I have. So I look up to you in so many ways. So I really appreciate that. Thank you. Um, thank you. Ah, so uh, what I do in the fitness industry is has changed so much over the past, uh, the past pandemic, <laughs> basically. Um, so I started working in fitness in 2018. Um, I'm an actor, that's how I ended up in New York City. So working at like a boutique fitness facility was my day job. Um, and then I discovered I really liked it. Uh, and of course I have terrible imposter syndrome. So I was like, well, if I'm doing this, I need to know what I'm doing. So I got uh, certified as a personal trainer and then I started taking on private clients and started teaching my own classes. Um, and then I kind of, went full time with it, I guess you could say, when the pandemic hit. And I was like, okay, I have nothing to do uh, and that's not good for my brain. So I cobbled together a little like group program just to test it out. Um, and then we just kept going. And now I have, through so many iterations of that same group program, now run uh, an online fitness membership, which is called the Energy Academy, my very cutesy little name. Um, I love it so much. <laughs> thank you. I didn't want to name it after me because I didn't want it to be about me, which has been, mm -hmm. this is a tangent, but has been like a very challenging part of advertising online fitness from the comfort of your own home and wanting to be like, it's not about me. It's about all of you. It's about things that are bigger than all of us. But like, can only take pictures of me alone in my apartment. Like that's not a good matchup I, with the messaging. <laughs> I can definitely relate to the struggle on that. And um, yeah, we can talk about that more later, but yeah, it, it's challenging having a personal brand and, um, but trying to make it about the work and not about you. It's very, very hard. Yes, yes. Let's put a pin in that one. Cause I could go off on that for like mm -hmm. an hour. Yes, um, but so anyway, the Energy Academy. Um, yeah, so that's yeah. that's how I settled on that is because I was like, well, what do I want people to get out of this ultimately? And it was like, I want everyone to feel good energy. And that's always the, that's the biggest like comment or compliment I get. And the one that means the most to me is people will be like, I love your energy. So I was like, okay, this is, mm. this is what we're going for. Um, and then I still have an online private practice, I guess you could say. I have 
a very small group of private clients. And now I'm starting to see people safely in person in New York again. Um, yeah, so I think that's pretty much everything I do in like the fitness space. And then weirdly like content creation has become another whole part-time job for me so yeah the social media piece has definitely gotten big for you and we'll touch on that in a little bit um but first i would love for you to kind of explain like your personal philosophy when it comes to health and fitness because um i mean i think the people listening to this podcast won't be surprised to hear what you have to say because your philosophy is very similar to my own but is very different from like the mainstream fitness industry. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think we have a, a giant overlap when it comes <laughs> to how we approach the work. Um, this is something honestly that I'm still working on developing because uh, I am still pretty new to this. So I'm honing it as I go. But right now it's uh, basically I care a lot more about how it feels than how it looks, I think is what it boils down to, whether, you know, whether that means what it looks like on your body or in your body, the shapes that we make, you know, if you're wearing your cute matching set, you've got your expensive green juice or you're doing it alone in your living room in the dark, in like your undies and the teacher that you rolled out of bed in, like um, making sure that it's kind of an inside out approach to fitness and mm -hmm. uh, especially paying attention to, you know, lived experience and, a, making sure that it's not like a a one size fits all approach. Like I think so much kind of mainstream fitness advice is too widely applied. So, you know, right now I, I think my main focus right now, again, you can clearly tell that these are like thoughts that are. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's, it's an ever evolving process. I am also always like, changing the exact words that I use to describe things. Nothing's ever set in stone. For the, for the elevator pitch, right? Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. But I'd say right now, I think the thing that's most important to me is empowering people to make their own decisions, to kind of provide people with enough education and enough um, quote unquote advice that they feel comfortable getting more intimate with their own body, with trusting yourself, with listening to their own like internal knowledge and, you know, getting comfy, taking a deep look at like, how does this feel? How is this working for me? Is this not working for me? What do I like about this? Like, can I just prioritize something that brings me joy over, uh, you know, shitting all over myself as they say. And yes, <laughs> that, like, you know, like it's, and I think that's a big problem again of like, being in the online space and selling stuff online is that you people really only can sell what they can see. So like, how do you, you know, approach people with the idea of like <laughs> everything you need, you already have, and let's figure this out together. And yeah, yeah, I, I love it. The way that you were describing all that, I think really emphasizes that the fitness and health and nutrition industries are so focused on like the tangible, the like, what is the diet plan? What are the optimal exercise to be doing for XYZ goals? Like, uh, like the specific, like physical things. And what you're saying is that what's also just as important is 
the more intangible, the attitude that you're bringing, the intention behind the decisions that you're making, um, and, and like paying attention to your internal world of feeling and emotions while you're participating in these physical things in the outside world. And I think that's so amazing and is um, very much absent from the majority of the fitness industry, probably because it's really hard to explain and really hard to sell. Yeah. Yeah. And oh my God, the optimization, you said that, like that, that drives me nuts. Like, I think, I feel like with everything, if you're doing it a hundred percent, you know, quote unquote, unquote again, <laughs> perfectly or right, like you're only going to bring yourself out. There's no way to do that. And I think mm -hmm. 90, I'll be, I'll be conservative. 95% of people, not 99% of people. Uh, I think 95% of people will be so much more uh, helped by just like a little bit of movement or one more vegetable or a little bit of a break or another mm -hmm. hour of sleep or one glass of water rather than these really strict, like high performance based approaches. Cause I know like I have major perfectionist tendencies and lots of like black and white thinking uh, patterns where um, it's like, if I can't do it perfectly, why even bother? And I think that is like the number one thing shooting a lot of people in the foot from experiencing the benefits of movement and nutrition and, uh, you know, any other health promoting behavior that we want to look at. Yeah, I totally agree. That perfectionistic black and white thinking is just setting you up to not actually get the benefits that you want out of whatever health behavior it is you are trying to adopt. Um, and I think that even just the way that you describe yourself and your role in the Energy Academy just really um, kind of exemplifies that more compassionate approach because you don't describe yourself as head coach or trainer um, or drill sergeant of the, you know, boot camp. <laughs> you describe yourself as the head cheerleader, right? Um, is that is that correct? Yeah. You, you call yourself the yeah. head cheerleader of the Energy Academy, which I think is so cute. I love that it's just so like lighthearted and it really um, emphasizes that your job is not to be this like authoritarian figure, like telling people mm. what to do with their bodies and imposing like rules and um, strict guidelines onto people, but you are there to encourage them to explore movement and uh, create connection within themselves. And your job isn't to give them the exact specifics of how to do that, but to cheer them on in the process. And I think that's so cool. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's, I think that's really important. I, I know anytime like a piece of content of mine kind of hits a broader audience. I, and I get like the gym bro comments, I call them, you know, it's always the first criticism is like, oh, you're encouraging people to be weak or you're telling people to rest too much or something. And sometimes, oh you know, <laughs> it's terrible. Like <laughs> just the worst. I hate interacting <laughs> with the public. <laughs> I like my own little happy anti-diet bubble that I've perfectly crafted. Um, but I'll definitely have those moments where I'm like, huh, am I not being like motivational enough? Like do people need more tough love that I'm like giving it credit for? And I'm like, honestly, I really don't think so. I think 
every message that we see is be better, do better, try harder, try differently, be a better version of you. And it's like, maybe we just need to be telling people that it's okay to take a break. And if that's, if that's the only message that's coming from me and like, maybe at least it's a little bit of balance. Um, but I think it's so important to just like, yeah, cheerlead people. Like who doesn't want to feel better about themselves? Who doesn't want to be encouraged or affirmed? Like we can get so much farther when we just let it be easy or like a little bit more fun. Yeah. And just focusing on the the positive and the enjoyment factor as opposed to meeting yourself at a place of like shame and guilt and focusing on like perceived flaws which is what the majority of the fitness industry encourages us to do because yeah the fact like the fact of the matter is there probably are some people who don't resonate with your approach and they do want more of a tough love drill sergeant type of coach for their own fitness journey. And like, they can find that literally anywhere else. <laughs> that doesn't Truly. need to come from you. <laughs> like you are, that is the rest of the fitness industry. And like, you are carving out a space for something different for the people that don't do well with um, that type of tough love, which I think is more people than maybe, um, we even realize because we're so used to that tough love being the only option. Um, but anyway, I would love to kind of go back to that comment you made about social media and some of your posts, like kind of going a little bit viral because you've had that Ooh. happen a few times. So what has that been like for you? Because you have been absolutely blowing up, especially on TikTok. Um, it's, it's terrifying. Honestly, it's, uh, it's really overwhelming when something gets seen by people who weren't expecting to see your stuff, like by people who didn't necessarily already want to see mm -hmm. uh, what you were doing or who wanted to hear you talk. Um, like those are the times when I definitely get the most like hate DMs and like nasty comments, um, just like really out of pocket behavior. But it's, I also don't want to be like too negative about that. Like, that's a really cool thing. And I'm very grateful that like my audience has expanded. Mm -hmm. um, and I've been lucky that like a lot of people have stuck around because a lot of times when something gets big and like a lot of people find you, there will be like a period of major growth. But then a lot of times that just kind of immediately goes away. Your engagement will tank after that. Lots of people will unfollow you probably like a hundred people unfollow me a day at least. And the more that happens, the less you take it personally, like the less it means to me. Cause I'm like, great, you know, you didn't resonate with me and I don't really want you in my space. Uh, if you're just going to fight me, um, <laughs> right. Like I, I want things to be easy for me too. I don't want to just, uh, yeah, you're not on TikTok. You're not on TikTok. You're not on TikTok to <laughs> debate people. You are there to, like present your message to the people that it resonates with answer questions for people who show a genuine curiosity to learn more um but yeah i'm the same way i am not there to fight i use that block <laughs> button liberally if someone clearly is not um asking questions in good faith i have no problem not engaging with them which um i think is yeah. a very important uh boundary to have 
with one social media presence. Um, oh my God, so, so important. So what type and of hard content- hard to learn too. Not, yeah, to, not to interrupt you, but like, I definitely feel like that's an acquired skill of just being like, you know what? I don't have to change anyone's mind. I don't have to engage further. Like the people, I'm lucky that like the people I'm surrounded with online are such a community. It really does feel that way. So like, I care much more about protecting those people than like keeping the people who are looking for something to be mad at me about happy. Like I'd yes. rather focus especially on when, Especially when it, uh, Instagram, TikTok is not like where your income comes from. Like the yeah. mantra I always say to myself is not my job not my job. Like I oh. post on social media because it's fun because it's advertisement for my services, but it is not my job and I don't mm -hmm. have to yeah, entertain the trolls. Basically, they are not entitled to my time and knowledge. <laughs> no, and it's like it's an extension of like your personal space. So when mm -hmm. people come in there just to be rude, like you know, I'm all down for some healthy debate or like clearing up misunderstandings, but at a certain point you can tell when people are willfully misunderstanding you whatever you say and it's just not worth your peace of mind no really definitely is. not definitely not so um on the topic of like content um mm -hmm. i would love to hear about like what type of content you've been enjoying making recently Ooh, 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 ooh. um <laughs> uh let's see i've been trying to be more casual about it um my kind of comfy place with content for a while and by a while I mean like I've been posting on TikTok seriously for like a year or less so mm -hmm. you know a grain of salt with everything um but I started really making these kind of elaborate workout videos that have all those you know text stickers and the fancy little edits and are in time to the music and whatever and first of all those take hours and hours to make and to like stare at your tiny little screen and edit um so all that being said i've been getting into more casual content especially on TikTok, just talking to the camera um which feels very uncomfy in a good way um and trying to keep instagram casual too because i think that people connect to that more like the people i like to follow the most treat people on Instagram, like they're their friends, like how we all treated Instagram in, you know, 2015 or whatever. <laughs> and not like, not everything has to feel like a big elaborate blog post or like a fully produced like YouTube video. It can just be fun to start conversations and have conversations. And I've been liking that. I've also been dabbling in a meme making, which has been fun. <laughs> You are turning into quite the meme queen, I have to say. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's the highest praise. That's the thing that matters more to me than anything else. You can trash talk my fitness business. I just want to be good at memes. <laughs> <laughs> if the sense of humor hits, that's all that matters. Um, yeah. No, I love to hear that because, yeah, social media can can really suck you in and start to feel really, really serious with the numbers and the expectation for like highly produced content, even if you are just working by yourself and then comparing what you put out to people who have like whole teams of people helping them with hair and makeup and people to edit for them and create a post schedule. And I think you're right that like taking a more casual approach, um, not only can 
necessarily like it can resonate more with the people who follow you, but it also just makes it more fun for you as the content creator and um, easier to do it long term without it burning you out. <laughs> but um, yeah. I know that there's also though pressure kind of from the other side because it's not always the casual posts or the posts that you expect that are the ones that go viral. So I would, um, I would love to hear if you have any stories of like a post that you made that was um, maybe just kind of like an offhanded thing that you were not expecting anyone to see that ended up going viral. Karen, those are always the ones that go viral. It's only those you know? that go viral, um, which is the last thing that went, I think the thing I've made that actually went the most viral I was just talking about this last night because I got to hang out with some of my friends for the first time in a while. And they were like, what happened there? And it's this <laughs> reel on Instagram that I had posted on TikTok. It got like 10,000 views on TikTok, nothing you know, crazy big, it did fine. And then it has 7 million views on Instagram. Like, oh my and God, like, which one is it? It's, <laughs> it is a reel of um there was a trend going around TikTok where you posted like your childhood crush and then you compared it to like the person that you're with um and <laughs> so my my boyfriend and I had gone on the rowboats in Central Park and he has really long hair right now and so he was we were goofing around and he's like rowing and he had his button down shirt like kind of undone and he had his hair like in the wind we were cracking each other up and I was like oh my god he kind of looks like the beast from Beauty and the Beast um, with the long hair when he turns into the human, right? Literally the stupidest thing of all time. So I did that trend with the cartoon beast and then like a one second clip of my boyfriend and it just exploded, I guess. I love it. I love it. Because it's also, I feel like for you, it tends to be the like random not fitness related post that all of a sudden goes viral oh, yeah. and then draws people to your page. Because this happened with Halloween, too. Because didn't somebody famous repost your costume? Oh, my God. I dressed up as Olivia Rodrigo for Halloween. And she posted it on her Instagram story. But honestly, everyone's been like, oh, that's how you got 10,000 followers. And that was no. it. It was the Beauty and the Beast reel. I got, like, 50 followers from Olivia Rodrigo posting that. Because when people came to my page, it was not an Olivia Rodrigo fan account, even though I no. adore her. Um, so like they weren't gonna say. And that's the thing that always surprises me is like the things that go viral are the five second clips of me doing something stupid or making a dumb joke. Like one of the ones on TikTok was about like shallow bowls. You know those bowls that are almost plates, but they're bowls? Yeah. That has like nearly a million views. And so <laughs> many people follow me from that. It's random stuff. And then I guess sometimes I just get lucky and people you know, come to my page and they're like, they like what they see and so they stay. But also no, see, I know people who, go ahead, sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say, I think that is actually so powerful in a way though, because people are coming after falling in love with a portion of your personality, of your sense of humor. They're like, I like the vibes that like this chick is giving off and they weren't expecting to then be exposed to this like wonderful, refreshing um, new perspective towards health and fitness. And maybe not everybody's ready for that and not everybody sticks around, but the people who do are probably gonna be some of your most like 
loyal followers who end up getting the most um, like positive impact from your page, partially because they weren't expecting it. And they came to it first from just you and resonating with you. And I know I've had that happen as well. People following me just because they know me in real life or they like follow me for some random reason and then really, really resonating with my content, even though that was never their intention. And I just think that's one of the really cool things about social media. I love that perspective on it. And thank you. That's very sweet. I feel like that's, we've talked about this before that like the people who need, need the message the most or like the people who are the most reachable are the people who are kind of on the fence mm -hmm. um, and not necessarily the people who already agree with you, who want to like talk around in circles about the finer points of like theory or, or the people who like really adamantly disagree with you and will never hear you out. Like the people yeah. who kind of haven't considered um, the people who are completely new to like anti-diet talk or to like in, alternative approach to fitness like i think those are some of the people who can benefit from the limited scope that social media can provide like those are the yeah. people who can benefit from that the most just an introduction to a new viewpoint so i guess Absolutely. you know less the the for you page that really <laughs> yeah yeah so funny oh my gosh what a crazy app tiktok is or what a wild app um but so okay so on the topic of TikTok and TikTok trends, Ooh. it is in fact No Nuance November. And for people yeah. on TikTok, No Nuance November is this thing that I think started last year. Um, I don't remember which creator started this trend, but it was basically this fun idea where um, instead of like starting intense nuance discourse about a controversial topic, you instead just drop a hot take in a video, like a short video without providing any kind of context or explanation, um, which is obviously not usually the best way to like communicate a point or start a conversation, but it can feel very refreshing when um, you usually put so much pressure on yourself to always provide all of that context and nuance in order to like convince people over to your side. Sometimes you just want to state your point and mic drop and leave it there. And that is exactly oh what God. No Nuance November provides. So I would love, Laura, if you have sure. any spicy takes uh, for No Nuance November, I would love to hear what they are and then maybe we can provide a little bit of nuance. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'll try to rapid fire some and then we can maybe get into the weeds a little bit. Also, mm -hmm. for anyone listening to this, I was uh, enthusiastically nodding along to everything Carolyn <laughs> just said about nuance in the internet and the danger zone. Um, and this is also funny, not to stall too much on my hot takes, but my No Nuance November post last year was like the first post I ever made on TikTok that got a lot of attention. And oh. I think it's because it made people mad. So I got a lot of comments, which is not a tactic I totally recommend because I think that's uh, karmically not very good, but it does but work it if you're tactic. looking for some attention. It <laughs> is certainly a tactic. Um, use at your own risk, I guess. Do you remember what that take was last year? Oh, it was, uh, I gave like 15 takes in one video. Oh. And they're probably going to be similar. <laughs> this would be interesting. We could go through those takes and see if they hold up. 
<laughs> That's a good idea. Wait, I actually really like that. Do you have quick access to the access to the video? Let me see if I can find it. My phone's right here. It might okay. be, I don't think it has captions because I think it was before we were doing that on TikTok, but yeah, <laughs> loud. Let me see if I can scroll and find it, but I'll give you a couple while we go. You okay. actually posted one of my favorites. Um, I think probably like today or yesterday, by the time I saw it, that was just eat less, move more is terrible advice. Yeah. Which I, yeah it's just is. my favorite refrain. <laughs> Same with like, I think calories in calories out is completely shit advice. Mm -hmm. I have a whole, um, I have a whole podcast episode basically on why calories in calories out is like a useless phrase because it is like technically true information that has been simplified to the point of being like meaning basically nothing anymore in the context of like how life actually works. <laughs> it's like when you say a word too much and then it doesn't sound like a real word anymore. Exactly, exactly. It's also only ever used when people are like trying to add nuance or need like proper advice or experience. And they're like, oh, just curlers in, colors out. That's never the right. Uh, exactly. <laughs> okay, here we go. This is from my uh, blonde phase. So you know it was a Ooh, while ago. I forgot about blonde, Laura. <laughs> okay, so these are definitely right off the bat. We're already seeing some things that I probably wouldn't say without nuance nowadays. Um, no, but that's like the whole point. <laughs> right? So I'll, I will um, dictate because I did put captions on this. So I said, carbs don't make you fat, weights don't make you bulky. I can back that up, but we have to let go of the idea that getting bigger is the worst thing that could happen to us. Okay, I would, I stand by that hot take. I Absolutely. thought I wasn't going to provide any nuance at first. Um, good job, Laura. <laughs> okay, <laughs> here we go. I said, you're not a bad person for wanting to lose weight. Our society values proximity to thinness and whiteness as powerful social capital. However, do you actually want to be smaller? Or do you just want to feel confident? Do you really want to be smaller? Or do you just want to feel worthy of love, respect, and care? That one made people mad. Mm, and I said, yes. yeah. I said, everybody deserves those things, but they have to start from you. Um, I said, you should not be doing a hit workout every day. Stand by that. Mm -hmm. I said, most fitness plans marketed to women are just diets in disguise. I stand by that. I'd also add in that I don't think, uh, men should consider themselves women's fitness specialists oh yes okay let's talk more really... about that because the last time we just had like a personal conversation we were talking about this a lot and yes. um i actually like forgot until now that that was something that i really wanted to hear your opinion on because i feel like you have a really Ooh. good opinion on this that i wholeheartedly agree with yeah i mean i will provide one caveat up front that like I don't really know that anyone should be a women's fitness specialist. Mm -hmm. um, Cause I think we have, you know, first of all, too narrow a definition of what women, woman means if we reduce it to like anatomy, you know what I mean? Um, and I think there are things like I'm studying right now for my pre and postnatal coaching certification. Like I think that's a skill I'm excited to have. But I think a lot of people who build themselves as women's fitness experts really just mean like they want to help you build your glutes that's it <laughs> that's yeah like i think that's so true and like i do want to give the caveat here that we're not saying that we believe that like men should never like train or coach women um or are not like capable of doing so like properly or respectfully it's not that it's more of um 
pointing out a trend that the male fitness professionals who tend to amass really large followings and almost kind of like celebrity status around mm. a brand that emphasizes women's fitness they are almost always extremely problematic. Um, and you pinpointed uh, one of those reasons, which is that the brand has nothing to do with maybe like women's specific health concerns. And of course, this is all being said from an extremely like gender binary perspective that I don't think either yeah. of us feel like is accurate. Um, but, you know, this is the reality of how it kind of manifests in the fitness industry. Um, we don't want to, we don't want to nuance ourselves into a corner either. Exactly. So this is why nuance, <laughs> no nuance November is fun because you don't have to give all yeah. these caveats, but they are important yeah. um, to participate in the trend. You don't have to give them. Um, but yeah, a lot of these male trainers amass a giant following of mostly young women um, because they essentially promise to be able to shape these women's bodies to look a very particular way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And even if you like, don't have a gripe with aesthetic based fitness, I think it's weird if a dude is like, I want to have power over all these women. I want to make a gym that's only for women. And then I'm going to be the one dude who's there to like spot them. I think it's just, it's, maybe correlation not causation but it's proven to be correct that they are really abusive creeps mm -hmm. nine times out of ten and so it just raises a huge red flag for me yeah yeah it's like the problem is not men coaching women it is men building entire brands and businesses off of helping women achieve the beauty standard yeah it kind of reeks of like i know your body better than you do which mm -hmm. I think is just a bad position for a coach to take, no matter the gender of the coach and the client. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then there's also the issue of like rampant sexual harassment and abuse from men who find themselves in power over a bunch of women who look up to him. Um, and I think we can we, we can name names not that many people listen to this podcast oh, yeah. so brett the person contreras. that yeah brett contreras <laughs> is who we are primarily talking about um who if you don't know about him you've pro you're probably familiar with some of his quote-unquote research like it's not peer-reviewed research but he is the glute guy he um has a very successful and popular blog and website. Um, and he's written at least one book that is kind of considered like the holy grail of like glute anatomy and training. And it is unfortunately true that he has probably put in the, pardon the pun, legwork more than anyone else to understand <laughs> the most effective way of training glutes, which um, does have applications to like athletic performance certainly but the way that it um became really popular was because in like the mid 2010s the like kardashian body like kim k ass was the standard that uh became really prevalent in fitness and his research fueled a lot of that um and yeah, I don't know if you want to add I, anything. I think it's also worth, um, I think it's worth mentioning that like exercise science is a discipline. 
is very new and very underfunded and very underregulated. And so like valid science is coming from people who are douchebags. That will always be the case, right? Yeah. Um, And especially like any exercise science, any of the literature that focuses on bodies that aren't like quote unquote neutral, young, healthy male bodies. Um, which I don't even think his research focuses explicitly on women. Not that there's that much of a training difference, but like, Mm -hmm. anyways. Um, But yeah, he's a a well-known, well-documented abuser. um, And yet he still runs this giant gym that I think exclusively caters to women um, and him. Mm -hmm. And like, he has all this like equipment that's used even by like, it's hard to watch sometimes like popular YouTubers videos, they'll be like, oh, and this bench is from Brett Contreras. And it's like, it sends a chill down my spine. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know, then obviously we're getting into arguments of like separating the art from the artist and like how much- Yeah, yeah, because I don't necessarily expect all of the researchers whose work I educate myself from to be completely unproblematic people that that's not the point here the point is that not only has he um achieved success from the research that he has done but he has achieved a massive amount of success from building this like feminine fitness brand this gym that like you said Mm. is um exclusively for women to make their butts bigger is really the long and short of it and um yeah yeah, wasn't it it was probably about a year ago that a couple of videos from not from his instagram account but like either from his gyms in uh, not instagram TikTok account or like a, a woman who trains at his gym um they went really viral and when i first saw it like explain what your like emotional oh reaction was while you were watching that video i was oh my god i actually i did a response video to it on TikTok because i had such a reaction um but watching it the video is just like b-roll of these women lifting like heavy weights which is cool and fun and awesome to see and being like this is a women's gym we empower each other we're here to pick each other up when things fall down like so empowering and then the last shot is brett Contreras spotting someone squat right behind them like like right behind their hips like and watching that is like it's like a jump scare. It's like a pitfall in your stomach. And it's, oh, it's just, and people don't know because these things get brushed under the rug. And it's not like, that's not my crusade to make sure everyone knows about Brett Contreras, but it's really, I think, especially insidious when someone spends so much time kind of cultivating this image of like a safe space or this like Mm -hmm. fake empowerment. Right. Because I feel like that came from the early days of people being like, lifting weights doesn't make you bulky, actually. Like the first inkling of that was like, yeah. maybe women actually want to make their butt bigger. <laughs> and then you have the opposite of that, um, which is John Benton from that model fitness account, who's now yes. been, I mean, I don't know if we have to say like allegedly, so your podcast doesn't get taken down, but he's been at least accused of all kinds of disgusting behavior like filming women in locker rooms and Mm -hmm. his whole focus is helping people lose like 
0.0025 of an inch off of their waist and hips so they can go be models, which is another incredibly toxic aesthetic industry. So, yeah. And then I think like along those same lines, there are so many like boutique fitness brands targeted at women started by men, or even if maybe the main instructors aren't, are, are women, the like owner and founder of the company is a man. And the whole, even, even if the brand tries to cloak its, um, its true nature with yeah language of empowerment and like we we're a family here like we create a community for women to you know exercise in peace or whatever it is like I don't know I we're just kind of riffing here but to any listeners who are maybe trying to like glean some sort of like what what's our point here like what's the advice at least for me it's like with any fitness brand that you're looking at, um, any any single one, but like, I feel like it's even more common when men are in charge of them. Um, if mm-hmm. it's, if even if the language sounds nice and the energy feels positive and there's bright colors and happy smiling people, if the workouts are specifically designed and advertised to create a certain physical aesthetic from people's bodies, like run away. It, it is just diet culture. Yeah. It is just diet culture and the thin ideal, um, disguised as like empowerment, um, just to make money for the people who have started this business. Like, and I, I don't always think that people start these brands with poor intentions. Like often they probably do genuinely believe that the way to empower women is to give them the tools to look hot. Um, but I personally disagree with that, that framework of thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, first of all, like everybody go read Fearing the Black Body by Sabrina Strings, please. Yes. Um, and then read it again. And yeah, it's just not to like really put on my tinfoil hat, but all the stuff about like biohacking and even to a lesser extent, like being in control of the way your body looks and like designing your own body, like getting to kind of Frankenstein together your ideal body parts by doing this specific class in this specific way with this specific instructor, like all of that reeks of weird, like human design, like creating some kind of- uh, It feels a little- like. It, it feels a little eugenics-y, like eugenics-adjacent, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think it is like, it is like trickle down eugenics because that's where we get these ideas from, you know? Yeah. That there's one type of good body and everybody needs to be trying to make their body like that. Um, Yeah. That anything that differs from that sort of average is um, like divergent and needs to be kind of controlled, which isn't true. Like, average bodies look completely different there's no like standard deviation from the mean exactly and like biodiversity is always a good thing (laughs) um in in humans as well um but yeah oh my gosh i i had a thought and now i've kind of lost it um but uh just to get back to like no nuance november so you went through kind of like some of your. i know we're getting dangerously close to 
about Nazis. And we were just no, I know, I know. I'm like, let's pull it back. This is a conversation for maybe a different <laughs> podcast. Um, <laughs> um, but do you have any like no nuance November takes for this year that you are excited about? <laughs> ooh, ooh, okay. Um, yes, I do. Well, I have like three more in this video, so I am gonna read those because we didn't get all the way through the original okay, text. Okay. So I can give my brain a second to reboot. But I followed that up with no one but a registered dietitian should be giving you a meal plan. Stand by that. Yes. Got a bunch of love from registered dietitians on that because they do not get enough love on the internet in general. Mm -mm. Oh, the next one. Brilliant. I said the dude who popularized the hip thrust is a known abuser. Stop supporting him. Yes. <laughs> Full circle. <laughs> I do love hip thrust, by the way. Not trying to knock hip thrust. Just uh, He didn't invent them though, so it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then I go into a very not no nuance a November appropriate take where I say uh, your race, sexuality, gender identity slash expression, mental well-being and relationship to food and your body are important parts of your health. And then like anyone you work with who should be consider should be considering those things if they like promise they care about your health, which yes. I've oh, learned I'm now to say happy. a little less. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's more important to like say a point that people can digest and then like loop them on. But I think that's probably the most important one. So. Yeah. I think so. So um, everybody, if you want to like actually go watch that video and absorb some of those takes and ruminate on, on them a little bit, um, you can, you should, well, you should already be following her, but you can go to Laura's uh, TikTok and scroll back to last year. Um, but yeah, oh, so much fun. I'm, I'm like very excited to be filming some more hot take, no nuance um, videos, but like with the secret intention that like, I want someone to ask like, hey, like this oh, is really good. interesting. Like, can you actually give some nuance? Because like, yes, absolutely. Because <laughs> you love nuance and nobody I mean, ever asks for nuance. So it's a, it's a trap. It's an engagement trap. It's a trap, <laughs> exactly. It's an engagement trap. <laughs> I do um, have two, two fresh takes for this year. Yes, that I can provide. Okay, so number one would be that any fitness professional who promises either weight loss or a physical change in your body is lying to you. I agree. And then number two would be that, um, and I don't know how to word this for TikTok, mm -hmm. but it would be that people watching my content give me a lot of assumed authority because of the way my body looks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, thin privilege, essentially. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that. So I think if you have the time, because I don't need to go just yet, but I would love to maybe like dig into those and give a little bit of context, because I think those are oh, two yeah. really interesting and important statements that um, I think we'll, we'll be getting a lot of people thinking. So read that first one again. Oh God, it's not written down. I'll try. Oh, <laughs> um, if you can remember it. That fitness professionals who promise you like a change in your body are basically lying to you. Yes. Okay. Do you care to expand on that a little bit? <laughs> of course I do. Of course I do. Um, I love nuance. Um, yeah. So I think I'll try not to get like too deep into my tinfoil hat again, but the, the lying to you rhetoric is definitely like inflammatory to, you know, mm -hmm. get people to stop. Um, it's more that, you know, they're making promises that they can't guarantee that they can't deliver on. 
Um, and I have my own gripes with aesthetic based fitness for various reasons. But I think ultimately, like, especially as a personal trainer, or as a group fitness instructor, like our scope of practice is small. And even if someone had valid reasons for desiring an aesthetic change, like the amount that we have control over in the small portion of the day we spend together, like the work that we do together just can't guarantee results like that. Like I can maybe guarantee you that you'll sleep better or guarantee you that you'll feel a little bit stronger or that you'll gain some endurance but even those things like we just don't know how people's bodies will react mm -hmm. everyone's body is so different and if we were to invest in manipulating that one metric that's going to take a lot more than just the you know whatever care a fitness professional can give you mm -hmm. like that's not and i don't think that's our job and it shouldn't be our goal um but, you know, I see so many people selling programs online about like, oh, lose 10 pounds in this number of weeks. Like, and that's the first rule that they'll give you of advertising as a fitness professional is they're like, people need to see numbers. And I'm like, that's mm -hmm. such a red flag. Why are we getting numbers involved at all? Like, that's not going to be the same for everybody. It shouldn't be the same for everybody. There's just no way. If you're making those guarantees, it's a lie. Yeah. I think it's malpractice. No. <laughs> I I completely agree. And this was one of the many reasons that I left um, my last training job at a gym before um, going solo with my training um, uh, business. And it was that I like, like I said, one of the many reasons, but I felt all of this like discomfort with the way that I was expected to onboard new clients and um, like attract new clients and get people to uh, set goals in order to stay training. Because mm -hmm. I was essentially told that with every single person, we were required to set some numbers based goal. And like, really, it was supposed to be a weight loss goal, but like, there mm -hmm. were exceptions. Like if, if someone came to me, like, which did happen a couple of times, like with an underweight BMI or someone mm -hmm. in an active, like inactive eating disorder recovery, like if I like told my boss, like, Hey, it would be dangerous for this person to try to lose weight they, because like, look at this <laughs> like this is what yeah. they're dealing with this is their situation like medically, yeah. that would actually be like putting them in danger they would be like okay okay well like find some other type like then in that case it would be um we would have to set like a body fat percentage goal where the oh, goal would be to like like <laughs> gain muscle like gain muscle in order to like see body fat percentage go down or something like that i know lean muscle you mean <laughs> yeah like i literally punch a hole through the wall right now um i'm gonna overheat <laughs> sweating um so mad um and so like I was told that I needed to make them like agree to these goals, but with the training that I had had with the course that I had been through and my experience as a trainer, I had absolutely no reason to believe that those goals were realistic or that they were something I could guarantee. But I was told 
as a part of my job, as a part of my the sales Ooh. portion of my job, I needed to use that language of like making promises without saying the word promise. Um, and yes. to like, you know, provide some cover because the people in charge very well knew that my clients would probably never meet those goals. And I knew that as well. And so I was quote unquote, just doing my job, but I was actively lying to the people who came to me to train because it was just considered a part of what you do as a trainer in the industry that like, it's how you get them in the door. It's the only way to get someone to commit to training is if you make this type of promise. And I think that's just such a limited way of understanding why people exercise um, or. Well, I think to what... circle back around, like to the first, the first stuff we were talking about, like if you set people up for failure like that, it's automatically operating from a deficit. It's going to always operate from a place of shame or not measuring yeah. up to that goal. It's like dangling the carrot in front of the stick. And I think like, if anyone's listening to this who isn't really like in the fitness industry, that's that's standard practice. That is common, mm -hmm. that's 97% of the fitness industry. So it's not like some, you know, I'm I just to give everyone an idea of how like standard that is if they haven't, you know, been in that situation. Yeah, like also, the only reason that people like you and I are able to be so vocal about our like non-traditional philosophies towards fitness is because we are not working for someone else that would like threaten to fire yeah. us because of our beliefs around this. Like we are yeah. truly in the um in the minority and um really pushing against industry standards. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, it really comes down to like, can I uh, sleep at night? That's really what, where it lies. And I think yeah. unfortunately, like that does set us up in a position, especially talking about this stuff publicly, like anyone in the anti-diet space, it becomes this sort of inherently negative thing because it is a reactive stance. Yeah, You know, we wouldn't need to have an anti-diet message if there wasn't such a, uh, an ever-present pro-diet lobby. It's an incredibly <laughs> well-funded lobby, right? Um, mm -hmm. But I think also from like a trainer perspective, and I don't think our perspective matters as much in like the coaching relationship, like it should be all about the client. But if I set up that arbitrary standard for us, and that's the thing I'm devoted to in our work mm -hmm. together, then like I am not looking out for the well-being of my client for their you know, deep health holistically, if I've decided that that standard is the thing that matters. And like, it's not like we take a Hippocratic oath or something. Like I'd probably take this too seriously, but no, I, don't I, don't know. Think, I think that if you enter into like a coaching relationship, that's an incredibly intimate setting. And if I'm not looking out for my client's best interests, including like taking more rest days than we planned, not doing their workout the way we planned, having to bail, having to cancel a session, having to modify something having to take steps backward like having to have multiple contingency plans or change things up like that's what a coach is for that so you're doing that with a safety net rather than you know going it alone because that can be a really confusing lonely road i guess yeah and i think that um i i don't think you're going too far with that or being too dramatic because i think <laughs> that the public perception of the fitness industry and, and like the fitness world is that 
the, that fitness is healthy and the fitness industry is exists in the um, best interests of like the health of the people who participate in it. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. that is widely not actually the case um, mm-hmm. because so much of the fitness industry encourages like disordered behaviors, dangerous behaviors, um, things that are not supported by science, but like claim to be good for health. And like mm-hmm. a part of that is like the obsession with weight loss, the obsession with using appearance and body size as a proxy for health. Um, but despite all of those issues, the like fitness is still seen as like adjacent to the healthcare field and like the world of health and wellness. And so I think every fitness professional, at least to a certain extent, does enter the field with an intention of helping people be healthier. Um, But it's really easy to get sucked in to the industry that ultimately cares about sales and money over the actual health of the people who are the customers. Which again, putting the tinfoil hat back on, that's a problem with the healthcare industry period in America. Absolutely. Like, yeah. So we don't have to go down that road, but it's yeah. definitely, you know, <laughs> fitness is the the un, underregulated uh, step sibling of the <laughs> problems with the medical industry, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, but so yes, any any trainer who promises specific weight or aesthetic based results is lying to you whether they are willing to admit it or not. (laughs) Yes. And I will say like to give them the benefit of the doubt, I think that usually comes from a place of also lying to themselves. I think lying to themselves and being lied to by the industry that they work within. Yeah. That's what every training is about like that's what every Mm. certification process like those things need a complete overhaul and because people get into the fitness industry from being you know consumers of the fitness industry like it's Mm -hmm. always going to be an issue until we fix it and it's exactly it is getting better it is getting better um okay so i want to move on to that second hot take and we can kind of dissect it a little bit because this is very fun (laughs) <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I was just fussing with my oh. lip balm and I slammed it down on the table. Um, Hold on. My doorbell just rang. One second. Great. Did you hear all that? <laughs> I heard I'm on a call. It's not a good time. Yeah. There's either some, Girl Scouts some, or Mormons. No, it was some guy named Billy asking if I wanted my house painted. Oh. <laughs> Aww. This, this is the like probably the one thing I don't like about being a homeowner is that people have access to my actual front door now. And so like strangers can just knock on my door and try to sell me things. And I'm like, I hate that. Please go away. <laughs> oh my God. No, leave me alone. Don't perceive me. Don't come to my place. Yeah. Good, we can cut out all the <laughs> bonus noise then. Sounds good. Okay. Um, so okay. anyway, back to it. Second hot take. Let's do it. Ooh. All right. Second hot take. Um, so this is a this is a tricky one to navigate, I will say. Um, and it's something I've become <laughs> I'm becoming increasingly aware. Like that SpongeBob meme. Um <laughs> it, I <laughs> I'm becoming increasingly aware of the ways that I relate to my body publicly 
um, especially on like my social media channels, but also, you know, in real life, in my interpersonal relationships with my clients, et cetera, et cetera. Because, you know, I think lived experience is a big part of what we do, but also we have to understand the limitations of lived experience. Mm -hmm. um, but I, you know, I, if you've never seen a picture of me before, I'm a, a thin white woman. <laughs> I, um, when people find my page, I imagine that um, I am their idea of what a fitness instructor would look like, you mm -hmm. know, and maybe, maybe giving myself the benefit of the doubt, maybe like a less intimidating fitness instructor. I don't think I give off like Jillian Michaels vibes, but. Well, you're you not know, like you and, me both. and being actively mean to people. You're like smiling and friendly. So that's already a step up. <laughs> <laughs> it's a step in the right direction. Um, but I, I'd be interested to hear your perspective on this too, because I think, you know, we inhabit kind of the same space this way. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, you know, I have definitely have to acknowledge the privilege of the body I'm living in. I'm able-bodied, I'm, you know, straight presenting, I'm uh, cis, like all of those things um, where that gives me a leg up in the algorithm. And that's the simplest way to say it is mm -hmm. that uh, whether I choose to use it that way or not, I try really hard to avoid using my body for advertising of any kind. I try when I'm talking about body image, or I'm talking about food or I'm talking about like self-love. I try really hard not to put that like on my underwear pictures. Like I'll just post my underwear <laughs> pictures and move on. <laughs> but I try not to like, um, I don't know. I feel, I feel really uncomfy with that. I'm trying to navigate that where I'm like, well, I think, you know, human bodies are beautiful and I appreciate like the artistry of that. But also I know that if I'm putting my like body love message next to a picture of my skinny white ass like that's just reinforcing everything that we're fighting against um but you know i know people are more inclined to listen to me on TikTok because maybe i look like someone who has lost weight maybe i look like i know how to be quote unquote toned or i know how to you know build glutes and ultimately mm -hmm. like yeah, like I'm a very active person. I have a very active lifestyle, yada, yada. But also 90% of the way that I look is because of genetics. I have not wavered from this too much in my entire life. And I yeah. had a kid, like I've not experienced a huge amount of body change. And that's not, my body is not my business card. My body is not an, uh, it's not a testament to the services I provide. It's not a testament to my knowledge. Um, or anything like that, but I mean, just existing publicly on the internet and posting videos of my body moving or photos of myself, I know that there is that implicit, you know, I've got it figured out because I'm in this body. Mm -hmm. so and that message I is not coming from you. It's, it's coming from the context of the world that you are posting like content in um and totally. it's a really hard line to walk i've i have definitely um experienced a similar type of that like push and pull and trying to figure out like what is the most because in the end what we're looking to do is be the most effective at our jobs which in mm -hmm. this case means like training or instructing people in a way that actually 
improves their lives. So we, we want to avoid creating triggering situations for people with body image issues or a history of disordered eating. We want to make sure that we are accurately communicating what our services are and what the point of the mm -hmm. services are. Um, and no matter what, it is challenging to do that in diet culture because most people will first interact with our content from the context of understanding fitness as something that changes the way your body looks and mm -hmm. fitness instructors being examples, uh, like physically visual examples of what their services are supposed to provide for you. And yeah. we, it's as individuals, content. aspirational content is what most of the fitness industry uses to market. And so it's, mm. it's definitely a tricky situation to, because I, I mean, I'm sure if you're anybody who's listening to this does know what I look like, but similar body type to Laura, naturally thin, um, white woman with like some visible muscle tone. So we just, honestly, even if we like barely exercised at all, we would still inhabit bodies that adhere very closely to what is considered acceptable in our culture and what is even considered acceptable, quote unquote, like that narrower standard for what people perceive to be what like fitness instructors should look like. And, yeah. um, and so, yeah, it's definitely tricky to be like, Hey, this is just what I look like. And I want to be very clear that my job is not like, I'm not trying to make you look like me. Um, yeah. that is not the point of anything I post. That is not the point of the services I provide. Uh, I, I don't there, I don't know how to give you an arm workout that will make your arms look like mine. That is impossible. Um, and that's not the point of what I do. And it's hard to communicate that because that is the point of what almost every single fitness instructor historically has done. Um, it's, yeah. Oh yeah. It's, and it's just the weird intersection of like influencer fitness instructor, like an influencer mm -hmm. meaning anyone who like posts on social media in a non-personal way. Like, cause I think that line is exceedingly blurred where we have bachelor contestants giving out unsolicited fitness advice because yeah. we have, you know, a stereotypically hot body and then fitness instructors trying to go on the internet and be hot and be influencers because it opens up business opportunities. Like it's a, it's a snake eating its own tail. And I feel like that trickles down to, I think about this so much. It's, it's really a fun space inside my brain, but <laughs> I think about that all the time with just like, um, like I love cute workout sets. I love mm -hmm. them. I have always been interested in like, fashion not that I think athleisure is fashion it certainly isn't so don't cancel me for saying that but um I like I love working out my cute little two-piece sets do I think you need to do that to have an effective workout absolutely not but like most of my content is me like you know dressed up in my little spandex like mm -hmm. it's combating things like that it's you know music choice and like how much I show of what we do in my classes and like am yeah. I wearing makeup when I post my workout videos like a lot of the time I'm doing that as part of my work day. So like, yeah, I did my hair and I put on mascara, but like, do I wear makeup when I go to the gym? Probably not. Do I film myself when I go to the gym? No, because I'm trying to have an effective workout. Like, yeah, yeah. It's the obsession with the what I eat in a day videos and the like, 
oh my God, drop your fitness routine. Um, and it's like, I don't want anyone to train like me. Like I make sacrifices with my health so I can do my job effectively. Like mm -hmm. I would never recommend anyone does two workouts a day. Sometimes I end up doing two workouts a day because I need to coach someone virtually and I end up doing that same with them. But I also have my own training plan where I need to like be a little stronger than I would normally need to be for like my life to just happen and me be happy. But like to be able to mm -hmm. get through my classes and yell and jump at the same time, I need to be like training myself to a slightly higher level. You know yeah, what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I like, I resonate so much with everything you're saying. And for the listeners, like at this point, I feel like we're just having like a girl talk session, Laura and I, but I think the point of us bringing this kind of stuff up is not, it's not to be like, Oh, woe is me. My life is so hard because I have to think about these things. It's more to communicate that like, and like encourage anyone who is a consumer of health and fitness content to be very aware of the lens with which you are consuming that content through. So like, are you giving authority in your mind to people you see online because of the way that they look? Do you see someone who fits into your um, definition of what a healthy fit body looks like, which if you were raised in diet culture, like we were, is someone who is thin, right? And able-bodied. Do you see someone who looks like that and just assume they know what they're talking about, assume that they um, have the credentials to be doing what they're doing, assume that like everything that they say will then apply to you because you wish that you looked like them. Um, these are all just like things to be conscious of because it's often so unconscious and it's where we run into a lot of trouble. Um, and the fact of the matter is, not you, you don't have to follow fitness influencers i mean first of all at all but you also don't have to follow anyone we probably who, actually encourage you to unfollow yeah <laughs> maybe but like even thinking of you and i as influencers because we maybe we don't have millions of followers but we do post content that is meant to influence people and like if even if you totally agree with someone's message or you find the information that they put across helpful if they, if seeing images of their body makes you feel bad, I don't think you need to feel like you need to follow them. Like I would encourage oh you God, to yeah. unfollow. So like, yes, I'm saying like, follow us, follow us, but actually no, like don't if, if be, if getting information from thin white woman is not helpful to you because yeah. there are people just as qualified as us, just as educated, just as well-spoken, just as knowledgeable as us, saying exactly the same things as us who inhabit different types of bodies. So I always encourage people to follow people who look like them um, because sometimes it's just easier to learn that way um, because you're Absolutely. like, I don't know. No, there's no reason to, now I'm just ranting, but there's no reason to intentionally put yourself in triggering situations when you're scrolling through social media. Like that is not the time and place for like exposure therapy. Like social media oh is already so toxic in so many ways. Like curate your feeds to be the safest, most like lovely places to be and just unfollow everything else, including us. <laughs> 
Give yourself a fighting chance. Oh my God. Yeah, I had someone comment on one of my TikToks a couple months ago. I had made like four videos about anti-fat bias in a row, which like, sure, maybe I should switch it up a bit. But like, that was what I was feeling that week. And someone was like, you know, I followed you for your fitness content, but you talk about weight so much that it's like triggering my ED. And I was like, okay, please unfollow me. Yeah. My entire goal of doing this is to make it easier for you to be healthy, whatever that looks like for you. If that's, if me get, if I'm getting in the way of that, unfollow me, please, please, please. And that goes back to the whole training ethic of like, you are the boss, you know what's best for you. Like, if anything, I would hope that you would feel empowered to be like, no, like Laura's content doesn't help me. Carolyn's content makes me feel bad about myself, which I would also hope that that would be a small percentage of the population. But like, seriously, you know, and I don't think there's, I don't think there's such a thing as like a, you know, a trainer for all bodies or a a class for all bodies. Like I can do my best to learn about everyone else's lived experience and all the privilege that I hold. But at a certain point, I'm always going to be performing harm reduction. So Mm -hmm. like, I don't want to be a trainer for only people who look like me and identify with me. But I also know that people who don't look like me and don't identify with me might rather work with someone who looks like them. And that makes complete sense to me. Mm -hmm. Like, we don't have to, I don't know. Now I'm I'm going down another tangent road. But I do think like, that is why I think about this stuff so much is that I want to be as responsible as possible with what I represent to anyone who interacts with my content, but also it's ultimately up to us to like curate our own safe spaces, I guess, because those are few and far between. So the the more things you can do to be kind to yourself, do it. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think the takeaway here is that consumers of fitness content should always be very critical of the things that they're consuming and like unafraid to just block or unfollow anything that they've realized isn't actually in their best interest for literally any reason. Even if the content creator has all the best intentions, like it might just not be right for you. And then for fitness professionals, it's really, really important to be aware of the types of privilege you hold, especially like when people look at you, if you are posting pictures and videos of yourself as a part of your business, um, Mm -hmm. and just aware of what types of narratives you might accidentally be feeding into, um, Mm -hmm. just because of the context of your body in the world around you. And it's like, it's not a blame game. It's not a like, you are a bad person or it is your fault because of blah, 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 blah. It's just an awareness of the problems that just happen to exist and how that intersects with the way that you exist and then doing what you need to do to create the type of change that you personally are trying to create. And I mean, you know, so easy when you say it like that, but it's, (laughs) I don't know. It's just about awareness more than anything. Yeah, just being like a a little bit better as much as as much as we possibly. Yeah, and like this is again on both sides. Like anyone who has like an aha moment realizing that you know I was buying into something that was toxic for me, or I was accidentally perpetuating something that was harming others. Like 
having a lot of compassion with yourself because like it's not your fault that diet culture and fat phobia and like exist like it you didn't create yeah. these structures you and you didn't ask to exist within them and um and yeah learning is a constant process and no one's ever going to be perfect yeah yeah and i think something that's been a helpful reframe for me like feeling feeling all these feelings about the way i exist on the internet is like uh, when i first became kind of aware of these privileges i think it was immediately from a place of guilt and feeling the need to provide a hundred thousand caveats and kind of talk myself into a little circle and now i think i kind of approach it from a place of like well my privilege has given me this sort of unearned leg up that allows me to kind of take this messy action and maybe piss some people off and be sort of protected from the worst effects of that and maybe if i can be you know the one uh like using that privileged body a little bit for like a meat shield from the people who are doing the really important lived experience work of yeah you know just unfortunately being in the position of being political figures just because of the body they were born into mm -hmm. you know but if we can reach the people who might be a little more resistant to that message because they're more willing to listen to you know someone who looks like you or i like that's a a worthy use of that privilege rather than viewing my privilege as something that like traps me because i think that's inherently yeah, like a, it's, a it's being selfish a, thought pattern it's about like being a gateway it's it's about being like a soft landing for people who are not quite ready for like to like fully contend with the reality of everything because it's painful to contend with. And yeah, it's easier coming from someone who like looks the way that like your internalized expectations would want them to look. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Maybe we're also just justifying a bunch of things that don't need to be justified, but I also like you spend a lot of time thinking about these things. And um, I mean, the way that I, the way that I handle it in our heads, Carolyn. Oh my God. hundred percent. This is why I'm like talking with people on the podcast now. Cause it's like genuinely therapeutic for me. Um, but like, I remember, cause I've been making content online for a long time now, like mm -hmm. uh, over five years basically. And which, like feels it feels like such a long time and like no time at all but um yeah a couple years into it i did have this kind of like uh realization moment of like all these things we were just talking about and it hit me so fast and so hard and i was like struggling a lot to like square everything and so i just decided to stop posting pictures of myself on instagram entirely like i would post pictures of like my like my face or like videos of myself talking in my stories but my feed turned into only text posts and um not that i think everyone needs to do that or not that i think i even necessarily like needed to do that from a business or harm reduction standpoint but i think psychologically mm -hmm. it was really good for me um to give myself space to work through all of those types of feelings and like come to an understanding of yeah like what is my actual goal when i post pictures of myself like um and now i i feel fine doing it and i feel 
like no, uh, I don't know, discomfort posting pictures and videos of myself because I know exactly the perspective that I'm doing it from. Because I mean, yeah. also when I went through all that, I was still in some of my own body image issues and that was all wrapped up in it too. So yeah, just everybody needs mm -hmm. just, just give yourself whatever you need. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm definitely like, I'm pulling out my little soapbox here, but like I'm a trained musical theater actor. Like that's my background. So I, it's been beaten into me that like how we tell stories is just as important as the stories we were telling and how mm -hmm. powerful telling stories is. And that's all social media is. Like at the end of the day, people only care about, is this entertaining? Does this make me feel good? Did I get something out of this? So like how, how we tell those stories is so important. Like the, the picture you pair with your caption says just as much as the words in your caption. If not more, because people don't really read captions. Yeah, that's true. Nobody wants to read anymore. <laughs> God bless this screenshotted tweet. That's the best thing. Oh my God. Ever. I know. I've been doing that for so long. I feel like I was an early adopter of that. And it is just, yeah, it is such an easy way to make a, a nice looking Instagram post that will get engagement. Um, it's so funny though. Like I will read like a carousel of 10 text posts before I'll read a long caption. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Ugh. I don't know. Oh, social media. So wild. Okay. So I do want to wrap things up here because we've been talking for a while, which has been <laughs> so much fun. Thank you so much for uh, dedicating so much of your day to this. But I would just love um, if you could share just like any like piece of like wisdom for for people who are listening, whether that have to be with like like body image or confidence or fitness or whatever, like what, what's, what's just something you feel like the people need to know? Only one piece, Carolyn? Damn. Or 10 or 15. <laughs> like I actually don't have to be anywhere. So let's go. Um, <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll, I'll keep it short. I'm getting better at editing myself. Um, and I think that comes down to self-trust and trusting yourself that you'll have another opportunity to speak. And that if you're misunderstood, <laughs> you'll have time to explain yourself, right? We don't have to explain ourselves up front. Oh, um, oh boy. That was like an arrow <laughs> to my heart there. Okay. Oh, man. I'll be um, taking that one to therapy. Anyway, continue. <laughs> amazing. Okay. So I'll share two, two things. One thing that was actually kind of a half discovery from this morning. And then one thing that it's something I posted on my stories a while ago that kind of resonated with everyone. That's an idea that's really comforting to me. So the one from this morning is that, again, I mentioned like I have perfectionistic tendencies. I have like an all or nothing brain, um, very different from the talking I do online, but that's why I talk about that stuff because I need to hear it too. Um, Same. <laughs> right? I've realized a lot of my like power through tendencies, whether that comes to like fitness or work or like, you know, any negative patterns in my life. Um, I, it's been very important for me to get outside and go for walks in the morning to get my son, to get my vitamin D, whatever. And so like this morning I was in work mode. I basically rolled out of bed and taught a class and it was working, working, working. Knew we were recording this podcast. I was like, I want to get outside, but I also have like six more things I want to do before we sit down to do that. And I was like, nope, we're going for the walk because that's important. Otherwise I'll go crazy. Um, and then I was like, why was it so hard for me to put everything down, to go for this walk that I knew I would enjoy, that I knew would be beneficial, 
that I've learned time and time again that if I skip it, it's really detrimental to me. So we've got like the empirical research there to back that up. Um, <laughs> and I was like, I think it comes down to self-trust and knowing, trusting myself enough that if I give myself an opportunity to put my work down, that future Laura will come back and pick it up. And I think that's like a big secret to consistency too, that we feel like if I quote unquote fall off the wagon or get off track, which I hate those sayings, but that like the the track won't be there waiting for me or the wagon mm. will have been lit on fire and I can't just pick up where I left off. It's like but a fear of losing up, momentum. Yeah. And I, I don't want to discredit momentum. Like I think momentum is important. Consistency is important. But I think we have to look at it from like, first of all, a much more macro level, especially when it comes to consistency. But also like, I don't need to be so rigid with myself. I don't need to have a plan for every single moment of my day or my week or my life. If I trust myself enough that I will be able to make beneficial decisions in those moments, that I will mm. listen to myself enough to do what I need to do. Um, so that's number one. <laughs> I love that. I, honestly, any lesson in self-trust, I feel like is so applicable to like anyone who would be listening to this podcast. Because one thing I say all the time is that like one of the like number one things that diet culture does that is so destructive is that it conditions us to not trust ourselves. And like mm. a lot of that, like a lot of the conversation around that is centered on like the body, like not trusting our hunger, not trusting when our body says we need rest or when we're injured or whatever. But I think it extends to these other types of things too. Yeah. Like not trusting yourself to be able to make the decisions you want to make or do the things that you want to do because this like hustle culture, diet culture, like intersection teaches us that everything good has to be forced or everything good has to be unpleasant. And that unless we are forcing ourselves to do something unpleasant, like it's like not what we're supposed to do. And like taking yeah. a break to go out and get some sunshine because that would feel good and be easy is like not a good thing. <laughs> yeah. And like, I think also that comes down to <laughs> tinfoil hat back on. I think that comes down to like capitalism and identifying too much with what we do instead mm. of identifying as just I I am, right? So like yeah. we, especially with fitness, but also with, you know, business, work, life, whatever, we latch on to the, I am the type of person that blank, blanks, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of just being like, I am my own person. And then if I decide to do this, it's because it benefits me. It's yeah. not, Oof. it doesn't reflect on me. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Oh, very insightful. Then, I love it. Just keep the tinfoil hat on. It looks good on you. Okay. Oh, thank you. It's my, it's my color. Um, <laughs> and then number two, I will keep short, but it's kind of a, I have big trouble slowing down as we've talked about um, and kind of a, a mindset trick for, presence, I think, is to not identify so much with my growth and my healing and my goals that I don't take the time to slow down and be with the version of myself that I am right now. Because the growth and the healing and the goals will happen 
And when I am that person, I will look back and miss this person. Mm. And talking about like being disconnected from your body and your mind and yourself, like there are years of my life that I feel like I lost to only focusing on evolving into the next version of me. And yeah, like, like this living 26 year old Laura in like living perpetually in like an idealized future instead of the present. Yeah. 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 So just slowing down to take some time with the you that you are right now, because like that's a very precious version of you that you'll need going forward. Mm. Oh, I love that so much. That's so beautiful. Ah, oh, what excellent advice and nuggets of wisdom. That was amazing. So um, I think we're going to wrap it up there. So why don't you just let everyone know where they can find you on the internet? Totally. Um, I am on Instagram at laura.gerard, G-I-R-A-R-D. Um, and I am on TikTok at L-C Gerard, um, which I found the girl who has laura.gerard. And I'm like, should I pay her? Should I get that? <laughs> yeah, um, might as well find out if you can. <laughs> right? If you're all interested in, uh, you know, working with me in a in a training perspective, perspective is that the word I wanted to use? Capacity. Um, yeah. Thank you, Carolyn. That's exactly it. Um, I post a lot about uh, the Energy Academy and such on my Instagram, so that's a great that's a great way to find me there too. But awesome. I'm always I'm really loud on the internet, so you'll find me somehow. Yes. Yeah. If you follow Laura you will not stop seeing her beautiful face. <laughs> and I feel like I've been posting too much lately. I'm like, no, no, absolutely I not. I'm I like every, <laughs> every time I see you post, I get like motivated to finally like make moves on the ideas that I've had because I feel like I always have a, um, like a long list of like posts I want to make. And then just like the idea of doing it is like, oh, that sounds kind of, boring i don't i don't want to find some good lighting to make that video so you you give me the inspiration to find the good lighting <laughs> oh, go get that lighting get a good a good south facing window <laughs> absolutely i got a couple in this new house so i have no excuses now okay well laura thank you so much for coming on today this is such a fun conversation everybody go follow her on TikTok and instagram and yeah thanks for coming on Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be here. This was such a great chat. Yay.